in the shower, car, or on the can. As moms, we all know those are about the only times in a day where we are alone and sane, if we're lucky. That's why we created Mom Goal, a weekly podcast designed to give moms all they need to know to become moguls in 15 minutes or less. So lather up, turn up the volume, or stay secretly hiding in peace on the pot a bit longer. Let's go. All right, mom goals, welcome back. In honor of the month of giving thanks, Kristen and I each week are going to be talking about the products that we are most thankful for. So we are talking our favorite financial planning career products this week. And right now, so my favorite product that I cannot live without is my planner. I live and die by the planner. This one, Target, of course, the home edits, right? Those ladies are love them. taking over the world. Don't you think so? Oh, yeah. I love organizing. I love them. I love the show. So. Organizing equals orgasmic in my eyes. That is shy. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I'm really digging their planner. I've used a couple of different ones. You know, they're so kitschy and they're so funny, those two. Yeah. Um, like this page. Happy holidays. Please leave by seven. But what I like about it is at the end of each month, it's like things I did, things I did, but I didn't have to do. And then things I didn't do, things I absolutely have to do next month. So I like that you kind of get to take a a look at the month and they give you fun stickers. I never use them, but they're, you know, they're included. So, you know, they're there, they're cute. So I know I have my phone, but I need to write everything down and I love to check off the list. And this one, the home edit planner, just the size of it, it's so massive. But if you guys see, oh my Lord, like my days are crazy. They're crazy. I love the style. I have seen those before and I've never splurged on one. And I think I'm going to have to now. It's good. All right. What's your favorite um, financially career related products? Yeah. Yeah. The one product I've been using a lot lately is our gal, Susie Orman. She has woman and money app. And I've been referencing it a lot. I told you guys last season, Andrew and I did all of our like wills and trusts through Susie's must-have documents. So if you haven't done that yet, get on that. Super easy, super affordable, and you can knock those out. But I've been referencing a lot because Andrew and I are in the process of refinancing again our home. And I just have questions of interest rates and why they change every day and what's good, what should we, should we do a HELOC? Should we keep this? Like just the questions. And I always seem to reference to ask Susie, you can search by so many different topics and I always feel better when I get like a response from her like okay that's kind of what my gut was saying right to do this or think about that so that's kind of the one like financial tool that I've been utilizing probably more and I think it's just because of what's happening in my life but it's been great it's like that validation from it is it's the validation and the right thing it's a great resource. And I'm sorry. Like if Susie is like, girlfriend, you can't spend that. Or like, girlfriend, right, right, that is right. the right decision. I listen. I, know. I, listen. I, I do too. Yeah. yeah. And shout out. I want to shout out. If you guys remember Cynthia Clark, she was who came on to talk about wills and trusts. She just came out with her husband, Jeremy, and they have founded their own company called Audio. And Audio, I'll, we'll be sure to include in our show notes, it helps you with estate planning. It's a cloud-based software. 
And it's just a simple, easy way to keep track of that stuff. So I love it. She came on to talk with Mongol. Now she's being a total Mongol and starting her own software-based business for estate planning. It's called Audio. Shout out to Cynthia and Jeremy Clark. We love you guys. And Mongol, stick around next week because we are talking our favorite physical, physical products. All right. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. It's time for five minutes of financial and career expertise this month. And we're so excited for you all to meet this smart, amazing female founder who, just like us, started her career in TV production at the bottom and worked her way to the top. She's an entrepreneur, television host, public speaker, podcast host, and best-selling author and mom to three, Mongols, please welcome the one and only JJ Ramberg to the show. Welcome, JJ. Thank you so much for being here. And it's been great to get to know you. And we can't wait to hear more about you and your story. All right, let's get right to it. JJ, how did your journey start and how did you keep yourself going? <laughs> that is a big question. How does my journey continue and how do I keep myself still going? So you said it. I started TV at the bottom. When I graduated college, I got a job as the temp receptionist for NBC Nightly News. And I remember I was having a conversation with someone who's just college about that at the time I had graduated with my degree from college and worked so hard and was so excited to get into the workforce and was a little sad about my job being the receptionist. I felt like I could do so much more, right? I, but the job I got was this temp receptionist job. And I remember this woman who's a senior producer at Nightly News, who I adore to this day, Cheryl Gould, took me aside and said, JJ, I know that this probably isn't your dream job. Maybe it's in the dream place, but this is not the dream job, but you better do the best job you can. You act like this is the most important job you've ever had in your entire life, no matter what it is. (laughs) Yes. It was great advice. And I mean, I kind of already was doing that instinctually, but I mean, you should have seen me. I took messages as if I were saving the world. I love that. I always say the same thing when I will talk to college students or something. I'm like, even if you're a waitress, be the best goddamn waitress there is. You never know who you're going to wait on. You never know who you're going to interact with, right? And by the way, your job is important. I don't care what you're doing. You are like Mm. part of this whole system and that job is important to the whole system. Yeah. Okay. So how how did you go from receptionist to getting your big break? I mean, many, many breaks along the way. So the executive producer of Nightly News at that time went to go start a show called Now with Tom Brokaw and Katie Kirk. This was a long time ago. So I went into his office and said, can I go work on your new show? And the other senior producer, Phil Griffin, was in the office at that time. And the executive producer said, yes, you need to go talk to my co-executive producer. He's up on the 23rd floor. His name's Paul. Go introduce yourself, say. And Phil's like, you can't just send her up there. I have no idea who she is. She'll just knock on the door. No one will know. So Steve Friedman, the executive producer, wrote a note saying, this is JJ. She wants to work for us. Talk to her. So he hands me the note and I read it. And I hand it back to him and I said, can you please write P.S. not as the receptionist? (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. But an important note to make, right? Not as the receptionist. I love it. (laughs) I wanted to be like, okay, I've worked here for a while. Now I want to get to the next stage. So then I got to work as an assistant producer for now with Tom Brokaw and Katie Couric and then eventually for Dateline. Okay, so you end up at Dateline and then you wanted to get on air. How did you go about doing that? 
basically I worked at Dateline. One day I decided to go to business school. I applied to business school. I went, worked in business for a few years and then decided that I wanted to be on air. I missed journalism, but I wanted to be a reporter, not a producer. So I got hired by CNN to open their Silicon Valley Bureau, which never ended up happening, but I took the job saying, if I'm any good, will you put me here? I mean, which was so easy for them to say, like, no skin off their back. Sure, if you're any good, we'll put you on air. Like, and if you're bad, we won't. Like, it's not much of a promise. So then I spent an entire year producing for CNN. And every month I would make the demo tape of myself on air and send it to my boss. And every month he would come back and say, this is terrible. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> motivational, I guess. We laugh right now, but rejection freaking sucks. How did you get through I that? know. I am grateful for the gene that says I was rejected, but I was not dejected. Mm. For whatever reason, I just felt like, okay, I'm still in the building, right? I still have the attention of all these people. I always put my real job first. And so I just kind of felt like if I keep trying, eventually this might happen. So I just didn't let myself get to the point of being dejected. I was like, okay, at least I got his attention enough to tell me no. And he's willing to look at it again next month. So I was able to just put my ego aside, call in some more favors from kind camera people and editors who put together more stuff for me. And then eventually that same boss said, okay, well, you Aww. can do a story. Put me on air. Yeah, I a year love later. that. I love that. Rejection doesn't have to mean dejection. Just having that mindset is so important. And that mindset is what got you on your own show on MSNBC. So how did that happen? CNN gave me a show, CNN Financial News. So I moved to New York and I hosted a show on CNN Financial News until nine months later, CNN Financial News closed the whole <laughs> But then I stayed working for CNN for a while. Then I was doing some freelance work for CNN, filling in when they needed me because I was doing some other stuff full time. And one day I was at the stock exchange and MSNBC had just started to do a show about entrepreneurship and small business, which was my expertise. And the executive producer looked up on TV, saw me at the stock exchange at CNN and said, what about her? <laughs> and so then they called me and said, do you want this show? Which of course, no one is going to say no. It was a six month deal. Even though I was doing this other job full time, I was like, sure, six months, that's great. I can do both things for six months. That ended up being 12 years. What was the show on MSNBC for everybody? It was called Your Business, and it was about entrepreneurship and growing your company. We just adore you. We think you're so down to earth and humble, despite like all of your accomplishments and a gazillion businesses that you've also founded and your causes. But if you just keep pushing through, you can get to where you want. So thank you so much for sharing. It's really motivational. Thank you for those nice words. That's so sweet of you. Thank you. No, no. We're so excited that you are here with us this month. And Mongols, stick around next week because we're hearing part two of JJ's journey where we see and hear how she gets into entrepreneurship. Stick around, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you, JJ. Bye-bye. Thank you. Mommy. Mommy. <sighs> All right, Mongols. It's time to talk emotions. And this month, we have the one and only Woodry Burrich on the show. She's an executive business coach and the founder and CEO of the Integration Group. Plus, she's one of 10 TEDx Alaska speakers in March. 
Her goal is to help us set work boundaries to sustain success and avoid that burnout. Welcome to the show, Woodry. Hello. Hi, Hi. thanks so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here with all of you. Well, Woodry, we're so excited you are here. Thank you so much. You are such an inspiration to us, not only as a mother, but you are a badass in the tech industry and we're excited to just dive into this conversation. So we've heard a lot about the basic methodology for setting boundaries, but are wondering if you can fill us all in of what that really is. Yeah, happy to do so, thanks. The methodology that we use is based on self-care plus awareness equals boundaries, very simple. What I love about it is we can apply it anywhere. If we're working in a corporate setting, great. If we're working at home, doing laundry, tending to the dog, tending to the littles, it also works there too, right? So self-care plus awareness equals boundaries. When I first started getting into boundary work and self-care and stress management, I really started off with this concept of, oh, I need stress management. Is it's really less about stress management, the root of it, is really about just learning to tend to our basic needs on a regular basis. I think we make self-care like this really big thing and it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be just the bubble bath on a Friday night, which sounds fabulous, but is not necessarily gonna change the situation we find ourselves in, <laughs> right? Self-care is one of those things that I think it's such a buzzword right now. And I think if we could just kind of unravel a little, little bit and get into ourselves and really recognize how many times we go through our days without connecting to ourselves. So I talk a lot about, for example, meeting the needs of the moment. And as a mom, when I've got my dog barking and I've got my kid pulling on my leg and I'm trying to have a conversation on the phone, it's total chaos, right? right. In that moment, I'm not gonna really be thinking about my needs. And if I can just be aware, oh, you know, I'm doing this a little bit too much right now and I need to take a moment to just identify what's really needed. I think it's really important as moms, especially with how much we have on our plates, to identify and vocalize our needs. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I used to say, hey, honey, would you like to tuck mama in? Mama needs a little nap. And I would get a three to five minute nap. She'd come and bring all the stuffies. And for three to five minutes, of course, you know, I'd have like a little voice on the side, but I would get a tuck in, which was so joyful. And also I was able to articulate, hey, I need a break and then model that as well. That makes so much sense. I feel like when you ask for help, they can understand that. Yeah, I need to tuck in. Right? We all just need to tuck in. Yes. So if we tuck in with our children, what do you suggest at work there? Yeah. So in the workplace, when we're feeling overwhelmed, let's say we have some unmanageable workloads. Again, it's that recognition, carving out a little bit of space. Sometimes awareness, that attention needs a little bit of time and space. Oftentimes I think we move so fast throughout our days that we're not carving out some of that time for just some reflection and introspection because we need that downtime to connect in so that we can reflect and we can have some introspection about our situation so that we can change the situation we're in and we can set those boundaries to support ourselves. Oh, that makes so much sense. And in honor of the Integrations Group 10th anniversary, Woodry is going to give you all her e-journal for free. How amazing is that? You can click on the link in our show notes or on social. And if you want to join the Boundaries Before Burnout exclusive Facebook group, search Boundaries Before Burnout 
and answer the group questions to join this exclusive community. Thank you so much, Wadri, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. All right, mom goals. That's all the time we have. Thanks for listening. Want more mom goal? Follow us on Instagram at mom goal. And don't forget to leave us a review.